I feel like I'm trying to force things sometimes. It's like, okay, I have to do this or else or, and get some success so I can, you know, get money for my next project and all the things. And it's like, oh, I feel guilty for spending time on this, on my music right now because I should be doing this and I should be doing that and I should be doing that. And it's like, maybe I shouldn't be doing anything other than what I'm compelled to do at that moment. And if my next movie doesn't come out for 15 years, it doesn't come out for 15 years. And that I think that's a, that's a very um, fine-tuning struggle that you have to do as well because you can't just be like, oh, when it happens, it happens, because then it will never happen. There's a time mm-hmm. you have to dig your heels in and find your grit and get her done. This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte. Identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. Hey, yo, podcast people, we have a guest, T. Riley. She's been on the show before. If you ever listen to our early, early stuff back in the day when Evan and I were just a couple artists talking about artistry and industry on the B&E podcast, and we had T. Riley on, who is a musician and an airline pilot, female airline pilot, also an actress, film producer, filmmaker, she does it all, folks, and uh, love having her on. Her last show was awesome. So here's T. Lizzie, and uh, glad to have you. How you doing? Hey, glad to be here. I'm good. I'm fantastic. It's beautiful and sunny in Vancouver, and I hear it's snowing in Toronto. So if you're in Toronto, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and I have to, I have to say for all the. Um, because it is the times it is pilots just prefer to be called pilots, not female pilots. Oh, true. I think they would, they got that from she and her and all those pronouns. (laughs) 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 You're like, not only is she a pilot, she's a female pilot. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's good. That's fair. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, how are you you guys? Well, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I'm doing pretty good. I'm staying creative. Uh, you know, um, it's a lot has happened since we last talked for me. Um, oh, man. but, uh, yeah. same with Evan. Um, yeah, for me right now, I'm, I mean, I'll just share, I'm, I'm into doing a lot of video game development actually. So, oh, wow. yeah. So that's the, that's the new thing I'm kind of learning. That's great. Yeah. Expanding your horizons. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> awesome. So what have you been doing in quarantine town? Ah, you know, I, I hate to sound flippant, but I, I'm kind of liking the, the forced isolation <laughs> because as an artist, this is always what I'm craving more of is the alone time to create. And when you have a life, you can't just create all the time and Sometimes you wish you could just be on lockdown and have time to do your stuff. So, um, so when this first happened, I actually didn't notice much of a difference in my life, which is sort of sad. I was actually kind of like, oh, good. Now, no one, no, I don't, 
I don't need excuses now to not go to the birthday party or not meet my friends for dinner and be torn between should I, you know, I dedicate this night to my art like my heart wants to do or should I, um, you know, have a social life like normal human beings and stay connected to the people you love. So I just took it as kind of a blessing. So what I was doing was everything. I was, I, I started online um, mandolin lessons and guitar lessons and um, singing lessons. And uh, my writing partner for, as you know, I do um, uh, script writing. Well, I'm not a script writer, but I write scripts to tell the stories I want to tell. And I do that with a co-writer and she's in London, England. She actually, she's actually got trapped there. She got COVID and uh, so she's trapped. So we've been having um, online writing sessions, which has been fantastic. Um, Cause again, I like she's so busy and floating around. I don't think we'd be doing it if it weren't for the lockdown. Um, so yeah, and of course, songwriting every day. So I've been taking full advantage. <laughs> and of course, watching a lot of Netflix, but that's research and development for us, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. What's your show? What have you been watching? Oh, um, you know what? I revisited Narcos. And it was interesting because uh, someone told me to watch. I never did get into the Narcos Mexico. And I don't know why. And I, I gave the first episode a shot and I was like, I'm just, you know, I might be done with narcos. <laughs> I might be done with the drug stuff. And I recently was talking with somebody. He's like, no, 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 you have to watch the Mexico version, like whatever. I was like, okay. And so I went to do that. I was like, wait, I got to get my head back in the game. I'm going to watch the first, the original narcos. And oh my God, it was better the second time. I couldn't believe it. Um, so that was like my nightly for a while. And then it got to Narcos Mexico. I'm like, okay. Um, and even though I love, is it Michael, um, Pena, I yeah. believe is his name, which is so cool. Cause he is, you know, Pena's last name, right? Pena from the first yeah. thing is my, he's like my ultimate, I don't know what it was about that character and that actor. Whew. So when, but I love Michael Pena, <laughs> and again, after I, I, I was falling asleep in the first episode and I'm like, I, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. It just wasn't as engaging and I don't know why. Um, but it's, I love watch, going back to something you love so much and watching it again. And then if it's as good, that just, I, I just love, like, I'll probably watch it again now. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I think remember, I did. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I remember really in, enjoying the original series. And it's like, but I've actually, I, I really got into the Narcos Mexico train. I'm working through the second season right now. Is I, that I, right? I, yeah, I got, I got hooked actually in that first episode that there's like an opening monologue to the, the first episode of Narcos Mexico that was just like, okay, I'm in. Like I was, like, oh. it, it was just this whole thing of, the guy gives this amazing monologue of uh -huh. basically like, he's like, I can't tell you where the story ends because it doesn't have an ending. You know, like he was just like, mm -hmm. but I can tell you how all of this shit started. <laughs> you know, it's like one of the things that I've appreciated about the, the, the series is that it really, it really shows you how messed up the whole situation is, mm -hmm. you know, like it, it doesn't, 
it doesn't glorify like it kind of for me that, that it's a show that illustrates how everybody involved is making the situation worse. Like there's not, mm-hmm. it's hard to necessarily identify good guys and bad guys in the whole thing. It's just like, you're all the problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but didn't you get, I got that from the first one. Oh no, it. definitely. The, the first, the, the first, uh, and, and I just thought found that Narcos Mexico is a continuation of that in essence. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. I think that's why I'm kind of like, okay, I get it. I don't need to see more, but I was yeah. really as an, as an artist and a filmmaker, I was like, okay, why am I not, interested in watching the second one because I know it's good lots of people love it and I love this actor and um and for me I think it was I don't find the characters and the they present in the first episode as engaging Mm. and as um deep and rounded and flawed and I found them a little more two-dimensional than than six-dimensional like as soon as you know What's the opening scene with Officer Pina? He's like having sex, wild sex with some chick. And then you find out very quickly that he's a cop and she's a prostitute. And they actually kind of have this um, uh, good, honest relationship. There's so many contradictions happening in like the first opening scene that you're like, who are these people? What's happening? And I didn't find that in the first episode, I think, of... Um, uh, the, the Mexican version. And also, I don't know if there were any women introduced in the first episode of the Mexican version that made me go, ooh, what's she all about? I don't think there were. And I think there were in, well, you know, there were. In the first I'm, I, I, I'll just encourage you to keep going because it, <laughs> it, it, the show definitely opens up. It, I, like, cause I, I feel like when I, when you, there are certain elements of, of it that, uh, because like with the original Narcos, you've got this like enigmatic figure, you know, that the whole thing kind of, you know, centers around and, and it takes a little bit longer for that to kind of develop in this one, but like it stick with it. I think that you'll, you'll enjoy it. (laughs) Okay. I'll give it the third try. Third time. Thank you for turning into Narcos critique. Yeah. By Brent, or by Evan and T. <laughs> you know, we, we don't we don't typically get into into stuff like this so much anymore. So it's kind of refreshing to oh, to kind of get into like the nuances of of storytelling and and show running. Oh. <laughs> yeah, for me now, it's I think it's all about the nuance I'm learning. Yeah. So when you like, so you watch these shows, uh, I mean, like there is, there is kind of a, you know, something to learn from all this stuff and something to pick up and create better storytelling and create better um, ways of introducing or pulling people in. Um, yeah. Like mm-hmm. what, what are the things that, I mean, what are the things from these shows that you're, that you're finding or pulling away? Cause like, I know for myself with like, you know, certain genres of shows, like the drug thing that's been going like so many movies like that, uh, all the zombie mm-hmm. movies, like whatever this, it's always these movies that keep getting or shows that keep getting made. But yeah. then when someone does something on it, that makes it a little different or like twists it or brings it somewhere. Um, what are the things that I don't know, you're finding pull you into these types of things? Yeah, totally. Well, um, I've also been trying to be very conscious of um, watching some positive, funny shows too, because we are isolated and I don't just want all the things coming at me being 
violent and negative and, and twisted. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, as I just said about Narcos, I, what I took was I need really engaging characters right off the bat and as, as, as deep, as much as you can make your characters, um, multi-dimensional and engaging right off the top. I think that will help people be interested in your story right away and keep watching. Um, I don't know if I'm right, but that's just what I surmised. Um, and also I, I'm really loving, I think good writers always write from some sort of a truth. And right now I think maybe that's also, um, why I was so engaged with Narcos is because most of that stuff was like factually correct, you know, and they made, so uh, there's going to be a lot of truth that's going to, I think, resonate when you tell stories that are coming from truth. Um, well, what, do you, what, do you, <clears throat> what do you mean by truth? Like you mean, yeah, like, what do I mean? by Yeah. Truth? Like, cause there's, <laughs> there's, when you said truth, I, first thing I thought of was like my internal truth, my, my truth as a, as a, person speaking that out and trying to put that into characters a story but yeah i uh, i think that that saying write what you know is kind of what i'm trying to say um setting might be um kind of uh, superfluous or not not necessary as long as you have like an inner truth that you know an inner truth to the story that you know in your heart is is true like you know like a love story that can be in any setting a uh a betrayal story that can be in any setting it could be in a cartel it could be in uh you were starting a business with your friend and they betrayed you you know so if if you're writing from something that happened to you or something you watched happen between people and you had some sort of a sense of it from a real truthful visceral point of view then you can write about it if you're trying to imagine what it would be like i don't know if you can write it mm. you know um like i was talking to this guy and he he has a friend, an actual friend from Iran, I believe, or Pakistan, who has now, he lives here now, but he was uh, arms dealing. He was running arms and dealing arms and, you know, all this crazy stuff. He's like, maybe you should, oh, he has a story. You should write it. And I went, I know nothing, (laughs) nothing about that world. I can't write it. You know what I mean? And I wanted to try because I'm like, oh, he must have the craziest story. But I don't know what it's like to be that or do that. Or I couldn't, I know. Sorry, I lost my, I know I I lost my headphones. Here we go. I know I couldn't do it justice because I don't have a visceral truth about what that would be like. Hmm. Yeah. I've heard it said that, um, like auditioning or auditioning isn't a numbers game. It's a matching game. And I think Mm -hmm. that writing is a lot like that too. You know, Mm -hmm. you match the right writer with the right type of project. And if you look at, if you look at actually like pretty much the way the film industry works, it is matching. Usually you'll match a certain director to a certain type of film. Like Michael Bay does a certain type of film, you know, and, um, Spielberg does a certain type of film. Scorsese does a certain type of film. I could go on. Right. And, and writers are the same way. And 
you know, I think that it's important to kind of figure out what arena you can play in with your truth. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be literally what you know, but you need to, you need to have a, an understanding of like, cause I think a lot of style comes out of a writer, you know, whether yeah. they like it or not, they have, they have a way in which they'll approach the thing, you know? Yes. And so, you know, if, and I, I think that's a good thing. You, you made a decision, you go, no, this isn't really my, this isn't where I'm going to flourish, you know, even if I'm yeah. interested. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's the mark of a great artist is when you know, oh, that's a Tarantino film. You don't, you don't, you don't, no one <laughs> yeah. needs to tell you, you know it. Right. Oh, that's a Nora Ephron script. No one needs to tell you. It's evident, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's great. Well, that, that kind of like goes into another thing about like kind of finding your own voice too, like finding your own style and, and figuring out what that is. You know, I think like one thing you brought up, which is really interesting to me is like knowing what it isn't and knowing where not mm. to put your attention. Like I was approached right. to write a script uh, recently because I still get, I still get offers to write scripts and it was about subject matter that I was like, I do not give a shit about this. And yeah. I told them flat out, I'm like, I, it's, this isn't, this isn't the kind of story I want to write. Cause I, I, I've done that before and you end up getting tied up in this project for a long time and you or writing it. And if you don't love it and you don't feel connected to it, it can yeah. just turn into hell. I found, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, I find writing something I love and I'm passionate about is hell. In a good way. So yeah. if I don't have that desire to see something completed, cause it's like one of my babies. Oh my God, you better be paying me lots of money. And even then who, you know, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> so I don't know how those Hollywood write like writers for hire. Oh my gosh. Hats off to them. I don't know how they do it. I think uh, that I you've, I think that you've got to be able to just like be really super detached to it, you know, like to whatever it is that you're doing. You're like, all right, like I'm going to throw myself at this and whatever comes out is whatever comes out. And then I'm moving on. <laughs> yeah. You got to have <laughs> yeah. an exit plan. <laughs> Like, I think you've got to be so like used give you to just, two drafts or three drafts and then I'm yeah, out. <laughs> exactly. I think you've got to be so used to just like churning stuff out yeah. like constantly, constantly, constantly. Yeah. That but does that mean you're going to have to be detached from it? I don't know if I agree with that. Perhaps not. It, I mean, I like, don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm just guessing at, at, at how, how that would, would function, you know, because yeah, it is like, such an investment. Just, right. Well, yeah, but that's when things come alive is when you're invested. Mm -hmm. um, well, everything. Like, like I that. feel like, yeah. don't you feel like that's what happened to the last uh, season of Game of Thrones? They just kind of mailed it in and get her done. And you could feel it. It's like, there's something missing from this season. It's kind of, the heart was gone. The, the investment was gone. They just, you could tell they just needed to wrap it up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think there's, I think there is like in, in, from an industry point of view, there is a market for churning out content and there are people that kind of casually watch things. They don't really watch things with care and like, they're not, they're half watching. They're like making dinner as they're watching it kind of thing. Um, and I, I think like as an artist, those are very depleting types of projects because hmm. the people who usually do those, I think they're doing it because it's the job, you know, they're doing it to get paid, to make money, to, you know, to do life. They're not doing that project cause they care about it. And, and if you really watch some of that stuff, you can see like, like what evident. 
Well, like, what's I mean, an example? That, that's the thing. They're, they're hard examples because usually they're the type of thing that you can't even remember because they, unless they were really, really bad. And then you remember I, I them because they're really bad, you know? I, I, I think I, I want to disagree with you there okay. too. Sorry guys. I'm so disagreeable. That's not good. <laughs> like, Go I think that there's so many people out there and it's so hard to get a project through that if you get something through that makes it to Netflix, somebody was passionate about it and made it happen. You know, like someone was a champion. Someone was a champion and really cared about it or else it wouldn't have gotten made and it wouldn't have made it through to Netflix. You know, even the, I just know how, you know, you know how hard it is to get things made and, and it takes money. And some of these things, um, I don't, I don't think the people, most of the people involved of them are just gun, like are just doing it for the money because there's so many other people passionate about it to make it for whatever reason, even if the material they don't feel like maybe is going to win an Oscar or anything, but they're like, Oh my God, I get to work on this project. Okay. we got to make it good because this is going on my resume. This is my name and this is whatever. And why, like why, why work on something unless you want to make it good, Mm -hmm. you know? And I'm sure, you know, as an actor, anytime you get signed up to do something, unless you already have money and a name, like you're, you're doing your best to make that the best it can be. Cause it look it's reflecting on you. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people lined up to take the spot of like your Netflix spot, you know, that are passionate and it doesn't just because you're passionate doesn't mean the material is going to be good. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I think, I think that's true. I also think though, it's a bit of a spectrum. Like, like how many people are, are passionate on the project and how many people are doing it, you know, because it takes a lot of people to make a film. Like it takes a village. Right. So it's like more, more than that really. But it's like, um, you know, I think what, what a project often needs is a visionary. It needs somebody. And, and the thing is, is like, if you look at, uh, battlefield earth or something like that, right. The Mm -hmm. writer who initially wrote that handed in a script that wasn't Mm. the same one that got made. So, so I think that there can be, um, passion to a point and then it can kind of get cut off because someone wants to make money or somebody, you know what I mean? Like things can get off the rails at at a certain point, but I do agree with you. I think someone has to, someone at some point has to champion something and whether that person is a good champion of that or not is up to them in their own voice. But, um, but I do think that things kind of sometimes end up getting done or made because it's like, well, this would, this would be good. This would make money or whatever assumed. And then they go off the rails because the integrity of the art is kind of, I don't know, misplaced or lost maybe in the process. Oh yeah. 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 I, like yeah, I'm sure often, you've experienced because that too much money gets thrown at it. And right. for, you know, it's like, Oh, let's just hire this star and this star and, 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 and make the special effects really good. And then like the heart of it gets lost. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like hashtag projects, basically. It's like, you know, basically like, let's just throw as much trending stuff into this thing as possible to try and have a hit. And then the, the sort of the soul of something can get lost in all of that. Yeah. The copycat copycat derivative stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Someone does something really cool and then, 
Yeah, and everybody's <laughs> trying to make their Game of Thrones. <laughs> right. Let's do this, whatever. Yeah. Well, you've um, kind of experienced that with music, right, too? Like, I think you were telling me about that, where you're kind of like your producer wants to do more to the song or something, and then you're like, but that takes it away from, you know, the music that you're trying to make. Or you've had you've had something like that happen. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, big time. And yeah. I've done it myself. Right. I, th- I think that's that's the biggest challenge for me as a, as a, definitely as a musician is to like, okay, am I, am I, is this truthful and authentic or am I trying to please someone? Is this truthful and authentic or am I trying to sound like the black keys? Is this truth? You know, it's one, and it's such a slippery slope because it's like, you know, I'll hear something and get inspired by it. And then I kind of do something derivative of that. And it's like, wait a second, am I just using their stuff? is this still me? And, you know, you have to be deep, dig deep, dig yeah. deep and be honest with yourself. And, and, you know, I listen back to my, my albums and I I'm like, Oh, I'm trying to sound like Gwen Stefani there or, Oh, I was, you know, and others. And, and we're, we have to be, I think so critical and aware and conscious of ourselves as artists. That's why I love artists because I don't think, other people do that so much and you won't grow as an artist. If you come up with something in yourself, you, you, you come up against something in yourself that's blocking you. A lot of the time it's ego based or how you want, well, it's the same thing, how you want people to view you. Um, and you have to look at it and you have to break through that and go, okay, come on ego strip away and then you strip another thing away and you strip another thing away. So I can, I can say to you with full confidence that I've made those mistakes to my own art. You know what I mean? And every, every piece of art I do, I'm like, okay, where did I go wrong or where could I have done better? And what, you know, you gotta also be gentle with yourself because you're just learning you know, and that's how you get good. Um, I didn't know I was trying to copy people, you know, I wasn't super, (laughs) or maybe, maybe a couple times I did. I think maybe people like me if I put like a black keys tone on my guitar or whatever. And you learn if you're honest with yourself, you're not happy with what you did. And then you want to move on and be better. And you look to the people that inspire you, whether, you know, whoever it may be, and you, they inspire you. I almost guarantee you the great, the great artists that inspire you are so authentically themselves. And they've found some original truth in themselves that they're sharing to the world. And that's what I'm trying to achieve. And I also have to be very prepared for the fact that people may not think I have anything worthy to share. Um, And that's okay. As long as I'm sharing with my true heart and true authenticity, that's how I, that's the only way you're going to connect with the world. And I've, I've actually during this COVID too, there's a lot of time to think. And I was like, why am I doing art? Because now I can't go out and do gigs. And that was, that's my first love is, is singing live to, you get that immediate connection and feedback. 
And then I'm like, okay, so I guess I can go back to more writing and maybe I'll try and I bought some recording gear to try and attempt to record my own album in my own house. And there was some uninspired days where I'm like, why am I doing this? No one's going to buy this album. Nobody buys albums. Like I may never be famous. Why am I doing this? I'm spending all this money on gear and spending all this time. And, you know, to really analyze why am I doing this? And what I came up with is for connection. That's how I want to connect with the world. And if, you know, same thing as any, so it's so widely known nowadays. Like when you share, when you're vulnerable and share your truth, that's where power lies and that's where connection lies. And um, so that's why. And also um, because I want to create a world where women are making art and women are being heard and sharing their voices too. And maybe, who knows, maybe in 10 years I'll be producing other women or, or other men too. I mean, I don't want to leave men out of the equation. Some of my favorite artists, of course, are men. Um, but I got to remember that's why, because when I was growing up, I was like, Oh, maybe some big record producer will like the way I sing and like, give me a chance. And it was like, please, sir, can I have some more? <laughs> you know, I never in a million years did I think I can buy my own gear. I can do it. I can, you know, do this stuff. And then when I got a little older and I dabbled and there's all these, sorry, I don't want to be negative about men right now, but you had to be set the impression one got or I got from my environment was you had to be sexy and sell that to get anywhere as a female, which means some man has to think you're sexy and pretty to invest any money in you. And then with that comes a lot of them tried to hit on you and it was such a scary thing. So I was like, okay, I don't, I don't feel safe in that world. I didn't have a super protective father or anything that I felt like I had, you know, safety. I, I didn't feel safe. So I'm like, I have to do something that will make my own money, give me a little bit of autonomy over my own life, and then I'll just make my own, I'll pay for my own producers. So I'm the boss, which still, ironically, so many times, even though I was paying I was, I was coming up with the material, I wasn't treated like the boss and I was so insecure and I didn't know how to embody that. So it's been such a learning process and I feel like, okay, you've done so much work where you can now handle yourself. I mean, I'm always learning. I keep making mistakes, but each time it gets better. Um, I can't abandon that now. I have to remember why I'm doing this or else what's the point you know it used to be i think for fame i want to be that star on tv and now it's like okay why am i doing this because i don't really want that anymore i mean it would be probably nice but <laughs> certainly not after fame um so yeah i, mean, I, I think, think that that's a, that's an an important thing i remember i was having this this conversation with this woman a few years ago and she was telling me about her son who, uh, you know, had wanted to be a filmmaker and was so excited. He came to, to Vancouver to like get into like film school and all of this. And 
he was, and she was worried about him because he suddenly was just like questioning all of it. He was just like, I don't know if this is what I want. Like he got like a little ways into it and he was having this. And, and I said to her, um, you know, I think that for an artist, a crisis of faith is an important rite of passage. And I think it's one that artists continually go through. And it's an important thing to, at moments, look back and say like, wait, hey, hang on, why the hell am I even doing this? You know, I think that it's it's an, it it can be at least an incredible catalyst. It's either one of two, possibly more things, but it's either a catalyst to something where we deepen our appreciation and our love for our craft and our art. And it becomes something that is more real, authentic, and true to who we actually are. Or we realize that there is some, that it isn't, this pursuit isn't actually who we really are. And we end up finding a different passion. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I have a, a crisis every project almost (laughs) (laughs) and um i think a lot of artists do and the that's i think that's what cuts the you know the true artists they can't stop they have to do it whether they make money whether anyone sees their stuff if you're an artist you have to keep doing it or the alternative to me feels like death I won't be living if I'm not making music or, or films or whatever. I couldn't be happy sitting in the sidelines. I just mm. couldn't. So, um, you know, that's, I think that's why you find like when you get to meet people who have done a lot of things and, and, and they have a, a good resume, <laughs> when you tell them that you're, uh you want to make films or whatever a lot of them i find are like oh yeah and they're kind of like isn't that cute and kind of like they look at you without you have no idea what you're getting into you know (laughs) and and they don't put any um credence into like oh yeah like do it do it you're yeah just knock them dead a lot of them are like you know if you like if 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 there's other things you can do, maybe you should do that (laughs) because they know how hard it is Mm -hmm. and they don't want you to waste your time. Um, And then as soon as they find out, you know, you've done a few things and you've made a film because as you know, your first film, even if it's just a music video or a little web series or something, your head as a director or producer is exploding every 10 minutes with some sort of crisis or fire that, you didn't anticipate and now you have to figure out how to put it out and that's never ending and you know you never get the the product that you thought you were going to get and and it's uh it's not for the faint of heart so actually i just worked on it i gotta tell you i just worked on, on this uh film i got hired to be the lead in this short film and we shot it uh, in a, we rented a condo. Um, I, it was the first time I've been the lead on something that I just got hired and paid to do. So it was kind of exciting for me as an actress. All I have to do is show up and act. Oh my God, this is amazing. And turns out that this director had written the, uh, the script as well. 
And three years ago, he shot 80% of it and they were on the last day of shooting and their main character um, had a snowmobile accident on set and crushed her ribs. So the intent was to shoot it again with the same cast, but that never happened. So he was, um, should I even bother shooting it again? But I guess it won some script awards and stuff and he really wanted to finish it. So he recast it um, with me and poor guy, he was so nervous, I think, cause he was like, is my set cursed? And, <laughs> and so again, we shot all of it. And then he found out there was a setting on one of the cameras that wasn't correct. And we had to reshoot oh, 60% no. of it again. <laughs> and he was going like, he's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I should even bother. And we're all like, come on, like, let's finish it. And could you, and he's paying for it all himself as well. So the poor man, um, but we're doing it because he can't not. You know, and I think a lot of people would have, if you're not passionate about it and you don't love the art of it and the doing of it, you know, you're going to bail. And after it was, it was a week of hell, actually. It was so, we were doing 18 hour days and it was hell. We had a kid on the set and, you know, kids are challenging, bless their hearts, but it's a tough environment for a kid. And at the end of it all, we were stoked you know what i mean mean, but you're like it's it's 18 hours and you just want to shoot yourself and shoot everybody around you (laughs) but you're doing it and then after it's all done you're like what's the next one (laughs) (laughs) there's so much good stuff that you've said Teresa, and like i kind of i wanted to go back to like why am i doing this moment and um evan was sharing and he was saying crisis of faith and i think crisis of faith are like it's it's uh, why am i doing this is one of those moments for you to really go and change the narrative and i think that a lot of artists could benefit from changing the narrative that like someone's gonna come and save you or find you like like develop the mentality that like you know, you're going to be the source of whatever this thing is. You know, you're going to be the champion and you got to be a champion of something in your life. And I think art is a great, like, outlet for that, right? And when you talk about this filmmaker, I think, like, he's championing. Like, he's yeah. the guy that's, like, if it's not gonna, it's, it's like, if it's gonna be, it's up to me. And he's the guy that it's gonna be. You know what I mean? Like, he's the guy that's gonna make that happen, right? And I think, you know, I just want to say one other thing to go back to, like, the female side of artistry and all of that. I I don't claim to know what it's like to be a woman in the film industry or like the artist industries, but like, I think that there is a male narrative that has gone on that somehow some producer is going to find us. And it's not just for women, it's for men too, because I I experienced it as well. And it's like, when you let go of the idea that somebody's going to come save you or find you, that's when I think you find out what you're really made of and who you are as an artist. And I would say like now more than ever, it's important for artists, but I think it's even more important for women because you're right. It's a time for women to start like having a narrative, you know, and, and not just like the narrative that we've been told and we've all kind of grown up with, like it's time to question some of this stuff, you know? And I, I think like that upsets some people, but I think it's important because we just don't know because it's the only one we've ever been told, you know, men mm-hmm. and women. So we just think, oh, this is just well, the way it is, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, we've always had people that question these things. It's yeah. just things change slowly. Yeah. You know, like, um, uh, oh gosh, now I've forgotten her name, but I contributed to uh, uh, one of the first, I mean, Mary Pickford started her own production company in the 1920s. It's not like it didn't, female movie makers didn't exist. And there was um, some, uh, oh God, Gail, oh gosh, some, yeah, I'm ashamed right now, but there is a, a, a female filmmaker, um, I think she was maybe the first woman producer or filmmaker. And she started off selling cameras for this person and they sold cameras to the movies. And her job was to go to the people and, and teach them how to use the cameras. So she was like the foremost person who knew about how to work these cameras. And so she started making films with these cameras herself and uh, was the biggest filmmaker in Hollywood at, in, I believe it was the thirties. And it's a little bit sad because when she got married, um, she, they put the production um, house name in her husband's name at, she built it. And then he's like, I want to make pictures too. And so his name was on the films and his name was on the production house. And then he divorced her and married some young actress and no one knows who this woman is. Um, where am I going with this? Uh, so there's always been, uh, you know, women trying to tell their stories. But, you know, if you look at history, like, where did we come from? Women weren't, we were oppressed. We weren't allowed to vote. We weren't considered human beings. We weren't allowed to be in the legislature. You know what I mean? We had to really fight for those things. And um, women had their voice, just no one was listening, you know? Um, so it... it and it's, it's like this unknown, but everybody knows it's secret, which is interesting to me. Sorry, I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here, but I was well, always I mean, I agree with you. I, I like, 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 I agree with uh, you. Like, I yeah. mean, it's, it's things, things take time. They take time to change. I mean, we're here, we're now, right. This is, this is where we're at. I yeah. mean, I mean, uh, you know, I think you can look at, you can look at things and you can focus on how things are oppressed or things are unfair. I mean, yeah. you can look at a minority, you could look at any group of people, you can find unfairness, you can find a lack of ethics or whatever. But yeah. like, I think it's about kind of empowering people to be able to yeah. do something now and say, totally. okay. Well, like, uh, I think you have to empower yourself. Yeah. And by, I think that's where as it starts. a female empowering yourself, you're going to empower other females. Right. I think I, I watched Wonder Woman so much growing up that I thought, oh, women can be powerful and respected and pretty and all the things. Um, one of the things you, oh, before I forget, like, I think that's one thing still that society hasn't figured out how to do is like as a female, you get told all the time, well, if you're, if you're too sexy, no one will take you seriously. So you kind of have to choose. Do you want to be sexy or do you want someone to take you seriously? Where men, I feel like they don't have that. They can be both at the same time and women can't. Do you know what I mean? And I don't know if you've thought about that, but it's like, no one's ever going to say to a man, oh, no one's going to take you seriously if you wear that shirt, like button it up a little bit. You know what I mean? Like it's not so much a thing. Whereas in 
women, it's like, oh, you're wearing too makeup, too much makeup. You look tardy. No one's going to take you seriously. You use less eyeliner. Like there's so many variables that you're trying to juggle to find the right balance of, okay, I want to be attractive, but I don't want to be too sexy because you want to be listened to, but no one really wants to talk to an ugly woman. You know what I mean? And no one wants to talk to someone who's uber fucking sexy unless they're trying to woo you. You know what I mean? It's like this, 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 ah, where do I fit in all this so I can be pretty and sexy and have people listen to me um, and just be me, just be a full person. Whereas I don't think guys have to, like, you never go, okay, is that too much eyeliner? Maybe I should tone it down a little bit. You just get dressed and you go to your meetings and you do your thing. Is, is what it appears like to me anyway. I mean, as actors, you scrutinize a little bit more and you're like, oh, should I, you know, show my abs a little more in this shirt or whatever? But it, there's just not as many variables for the guys. But to your point, um, I hope I'm not jumping around too much, but you were saying that we've been told this narrative and we kind of, you know, we just think that that's the way it is, or we, we buy into it. I can't remember your exact words, but it was interesting working on my first film project where I was just like, I'm just going to make this. Um, so I was kind of the boss or whatever. It was my project. I was paying for it. I wrote, directed, produced it, all that stuff. And I cast myself as the lead, um, partially because I had to fly airplanes. And uh, then we were casting... The, my love interest and I was saying to my writing partner and producer I was like oh what about this guy I think I can name him Vic Cedric and uh he's a good looking guy like let's and I really like I've been in acting class with him I think he does a good job and she's like oh he's too young and I'm like what do you mean and she's like well he's way younger than you you can't have you can't have you know only guys can do that and I was like, you know why guys can do that? Because they're the boss and they can hire who they want. I'm the boss. Why can't I do it? But she had it so set in her head that it's okay for the guy to be older and the female to be younger. That's what's accepted in society. And I'm like, I'm the boss. I can hire whoever I want. So I want him. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. that's a great it, example. It, That's a great the, example of how people get caught in the way yeah. things need to be. I like you're the producer. You can, you know, you're a co-producer. We can hire whoever we want. But she, in her mind, no, this is the way it is. No one will accept the other thing. And I'm like, screw it. It's our movie. Let's do what we want, you know? <laughs> so, sorry. I'm going on a little bit too long about that. <laughs> no, there's no apologies. You're bringing up some really good points. No, thanks. And uh, yeah, he did a really good job and it worked out really well. So, yeah. I know, I know there's like so much, like uh, there's so many things that we could extract and um, go down some rabbit holes oh, on with right. that one for sure. Um, so it's like pick and choose your, your poison. <laughs> <laughs> 
you got? I got all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we're since we have like an interesting moment here, I'm going to take a break and uh, and and share the craft beer. I don't know if anybody's having a beer right now, but I, I'm I'm having a beer with you. <laughs> Are you? All right, good today, Brandon. Oh, that's what I'm missing with this isolation thing. I don't get a beer. <laughs> I know. Usually, we all share a beer. Um, but yeah, uh, Evan and I keep them the tradition going. I, I actually have an interesting one. I got it just because of what's been going on for me recently. This one's by Figgles and Warlock and, um, it's called super eight bit IPA. Ah. Oh, nice. It's got a funny <laughs> little bottle. Um, so cute. Yeah, I, the reason why I got it is cause uh, like for me right now, I've been, uh, I, I've been talking about this a bit on the podcast, but I've been venturing into video game development as kind of a creative outlet. And, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of, it's been a lot of fun, like just exploring what's possible and also being able to take all that filmmaking skill and storytelling ability and try and put that into a, a video game outlet. has kind of been an interesting experience. I still got a lot to learn, but I'm doing it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> the beer is, the beer is Okay. <laughs> i wouldn't recommend it honestly but um you know it's cool artwork uh not my favorite um but i'm not saying it's a bad beer it's just it's kind of like um i don't know it's like it's it's hoppy it's a little bit bitter it's not really my kind of beer but i know some people love those types of beers so someone will love it it's not not as much for me but it's very cool artwork and i do like most of their beers so I'm all go. about the hoppies. Yeah. I'll try it. Yours, yeah. <laughs> See, that'd be good if we could all taste it and then we could all have a little yeah. bit more of opinion. I'm just trying to be honest because, you know, um, it's not that I don't like it. It's just that it's not my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, and there you, gotta, you have it, folks. You got to have taste. And um, what are you having, Evan? Uh, I, am, I am drinking uh, a strawberry blonde. Oh, nice. It's just called strawberry blonde. And it's from North Point Brewing Company. They've only been open since 2019 and haven't had anything from them. Very tasty. Very tasty. Nice for like a beautiful, sunny, warm day that it is here. So it's good. It's going down nice and smooth. Sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love the, word, the name Strawberry Blonde. <laughs> I have a little nephew who says strawberry blonde. <laughs> so now that's how I say it every time I say strawberry blonde. <laughs> Your nephew's from New York or something like that, like from, from like the Bronx. <laughs> yeah, the, apparently. <laughs> no, he's from Alberta. It's like strawberry blonde, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think when you're that young, everything's strawberry blonde. Yeah. What do you do? I don't know. Anyway, here I go. <laughs> um, one of the things that I really have been taking away from this conversation T is uh, just talking about the truth element in, in art and being honest with yourself. Like, am I basically just copying or modeling someone else? And um, how honest am I being about like finding my own voice? And, mm-hmm. and I think like, um, you know, some of the, I don't even know where to start, but, but some of the things that you brought up might be like, you know, where not to go, like what not to do, where, where to know, like to kind of know the arena that you want to play in, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and let yourself, I think 
putting yourself in an arena to flourish and not put yourself somewhere because you think you should, or you think it would be good, or you think people would mm-hmm. like it. And the same mm-hmm. thing goes like, not just with your art, but like why you're doing your art, like giving yourself an actual finding, like if you're questioning yourself, giving yourself an actual reason that's going to make you like, you know, if your film keeps crashing, you're going to stay with it. Like finding yeah. that why and that meaning, you know, I think is, I think it's such an important yeah. part of the truth element. I think a, a lot, sometimes the only way to do that is try, you know? Yeah. And, and you're, you're going to be always evolving as an artist too. Like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm kind of in that now. Cause I, I like rock. I like, you know, kind of driving rock music. I, and I do so, I know I do jazz and I do, I don't know, I love folk. I love all the genres. Um, but what's my genre that I'm good at, you know? And you don't know and sometimes unless you try. And I try and keep it true to um, the moment. Because uh, you probably experience as an artist, sometimes you're really passionate about this sound or this story. And then a year later, you're passionate about something else and that story. But you're like, I never want to be like, oh, but I'm a, a rock artist. I can't do folk. Oh, but I'm a, I don't know, what, what was, I'm a, I'm a, I don't know what you would call my, my movie. I'm a, I'm an action, let's call it an action movie. I write action movies. I don't write love stories, you know, like, Maybe you do. How do you know unless you try? And if that's mm-hmm. what's you're inspiring you at that moment, give it a go. I, and then if you're like, ooh, I never want to do that again, or that didn't really jive with how I want to be or do things, then now you know. But you might not know, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think you do. I mean, I think that's so much what it's about. You have to be willing to fail. And, and <laughs> sitting around thinking about what you're going to do, is no way to learn. It's no way to progress. You're going to stay in the same spot. And I mean, yeah. you know, and I think that if you go to like really anybody who's ever done anything, they probably failed a lot to figure out how to actually wherever it is that they stand and whatever it is that they're going to do. Right. And yeah. I think, you know, for someone like yourself, who's dabbled in many different artists, uh, endeavors, you can start to pull from different things. Like you can bring your, your, your music education into your filmmaking or your filmmaking into your music and your storytelling and, and all of that. And I don't think you have to be like, I'm a musician and that's it. Like you could be an artist of many mediums, but there's a T Riley element to all of them, you know, and you're figuring that out as you dabble in everyone. And then maybe you like one more, you focus more at that time. And then focus on another one. I think that's, that's totally, thank you for saying that. Can I just say, because I'm just trying to decipher (laughs) and share. (laughs) That was good because that was also one of my, um, contemplating dilemmas during this COVID. Um, you know, cause I look at really six, a lot of really successful people and they're so zoned into one thing and they master one thing. And I'm like, why do I have to do all these things? Maybe I should just be an actor. Maybe I should just be a musician and don't waste all my other energy and time doing all these other things. And then I'd have more success and beating myself up for it. And, um, and then I saw, uh, Taika Waititi, the, um, yeah, the, the New Zealand Jojo, director. 
the New Zealand director slash painter slash musician slash la 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 and yeah. yes slash writer and direct and I was like oh he does it too <laughs> <laughs> he does all the things and he he actually um gave a TED talk and I I didn't know he was a a visual artist and and he was and I'm like oh my gosh there's other people like me and I it's really nice to see because I always sometimes feel like a, a fish out of water it's like what you know I don't know a lot of people who do so many different things in such a deep capacity like I do and I don't mean deep as in I go so deep I'm so good at everything I just I get you know I delve a little deeper in in things I don't just act I had to start writing scripts and making movies I don't just say I had to start writing songs and making albums and touring and you know what I mean because um, I really like to get into things and I I like to I don't know I just like going down the rabbit holes and I don't know too many people like that a lot of people pick their thing and then they might do other things as hobbies and sometimes my brain explodes and I feel so overwhelmed and I'm, I don't know what to do and I don't know which direction to go. And it's like, should I work on my acting today? Should I work on my script today? Should I, you know, if I don't have specific deadlines, sometimes I paralyze myself. I get, I get so exhausted just from thinking about what I have to do to finish my album, to write my script, to get my movie made to, to, and I haven't, I haven't even done anything and I'm exhausted and then I do nothing. And I get that paralysis. I think that a lot of artists go through even just from one project, because, you know, to make a movie, one project, there's a built, well, a thousand things you have to do and you just get overwhelmed. So when you have like six projects on the go, the overwhelm is paralyzing. And I was like, why don't I just pick one thing? And then I saw his Ted talk and he was so, you could tell he was kind of in the flow of life, you know, not he, he, to me anyway, my take was he just does what he's compelled to do and seem to be so authentic in everything he does and not too worried about what other people thought about it. And I'm like, Oh, maybe he's my new like guru because I feel like I'm trying to force things sometimes. It's like, okay, I have to do this or else or, and get some success so I can, you know, get money for my next project and all the things. And it's like, Oh, I feel guilty for spending time on this, on my music right now because I should be doing this and I should be doing that and I should be doing that. And it's like, maybe I shouldn't be doing anything other than what I'm compelled to do at that moment. And if my next movie doesn't come out for 15 years, it doesn't come out for 15 years. And that, I think that's a, that's a very um, fine tuning struggle that you have to do as well, because you can't just be like, Oh, when it happens, it happens. Cause then it will never happen. There's a time mm -hmm. you have to dig your heels in and, and find your grit and get her done. Um, but there's also, I think times where you need to let your art breathe and place your energy where it wants to go, not where you think it should go, which is, you know, and that's the question of discipline. You know, there's been so many times where I, I made a commitment. It's like, okay, you're going to work on your music. And then 
I so don't feel like working on music. And then it's like, I pick up my guitar and I'm like, oh God, nothing's coming. And then I'm like strumming a few chords and all of a sudden something comes. And the last thing I wanted to do was work on my music that day. But because I stuck with my commitment to myself, something happened. And sometimes it doesn't and that's okay. So the, you know, how to know when to keep the whip cracked on yourself and when to know and how to know when to let yourself breathe is, is really difficult. And I think it's, it's going to be in a lifelong learning process and, and learning struggle. And that's just the way it is. Hmm. I don't know. Those are my thoughts. <laughs> I think those are good thoughts. I, I just got to say one thing, you know, um, I think, there's people who struggle with that. They want material success. They want to get that. And I mean, I think material success, and I've heard this said before is material success comes from discipline. You know, if you can have discipline in an area, you can generally generate material success. But the other major factor that a lot of people don't mention discipline requires action. You got to be disciplined about action. But the other thing is that a lot of people have things that are reliant on someone else making it happen for them. And whenever you have a goal that is designed that someone else needs to be the person to like linchpin it, you're mm-hmm. always going to have problems. Very rarely do people who work that way succeed. So mm-hmm. I think for all artists, like I think there's your requirement, which is discipline. But I think the other part is like, at the end of the day, if your goal is dependent on someone else, whatever it is in any area, you're always going to like, you can't, you can't sit around. I, I just don't think it's a good model to gamble because if you're sitting around waiting for someone to save you, waiting for someone to give you that thing, if you're just talented enough, if you just practice enough, I just think you, you could wait around your whole life and nothing could happen. At some point you have to take the reins. You have to dig your heels in. You have to decide that you are the creator of your own destiny, you know, whatever mm-hmm. that looks like and, and root out all those things that are dependencies on other people doing it for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I think that your ex- exploration, like uh, I'll say one other thing I'm learning video game development and it's so interesting talking to you because you're an artist who's gone through many different avenues, much like myself, but I'm finding with video game development, all the areas that I've explored as an artist are all paying off because mm. everything relates. Music relates. I'm learning how to do music. I'm learning how to do uh, like literally painting a scene. I'm learning how to color it. I'm learning how to like make it have a feel like lighting. We're using lighting. Like it's all filmmaking. And you can actually move right. the camera and have the camera do cool things. Uh, character, like it's, it's incredible. So like all the stuff that I've learned is all like kind of playing into this. So who knows where this brings me and takes me. But I think, it's about finding a flow and naturally going where you're inclined, but then at the same time, having the discipline and the wherewithal to rely on you to do it, you know? And yeah. I don't know where video game development is going to take me, honestly, I'm just doing it for fun and interest, but yeah, it's going to bring me somewhere. And that's what I'm most excited about. And I think like, you know, it, it mostly I've been in my own way up to this point. It's me not letting me just speak you know, and, and video games for whatever reason seem to be a good medium for me to finally not care what other people think of me. You know what I mean? Cause (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It's just like, I have no attachment to it. Like I know I'm not good at it. So I'm like, but then I am because in some ways, because I'm not trying to be, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. 
It's something yes, that I'm totally. kind of like taking away. Like I always try to take something away. I mean, I think Evan and I both do, but just from this conversation, I'm like looking at it going, yeah, like, you know, like have the discipline, have the practice, but at the same time, like let yourself find your way in, you know, through, through an authentic truth, you know? Oh yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Totally. I mean, you never, you never know how these different sort of explorations, especially creative explorations, how those things are going to inform you and everything else that you do. You know, like I, I think that creativity, no matter what your medium is, creativity shares the same, like it's all kind of the same in some way. It's like the expression has its different technical demands that sometimes you need to apply yourself to, but like the underlying sort of like principles of creativity, no matter what your medium is always kind of the same. You're always trying to more authentically communicate with that thing that is inside of you. Like ultimately that's all art kind of is. It's just like, how can I most honestly express this in whatever my medium is like and that's that's the the fight that's the struggle you know and and like going back to the the start of something you said way at the beginning of this uh teresa was um you know it's like discovering that you're trying to like be somebody else you know in some of these songs like oh i was doing my gwen stefani thing (laughs) you know like just (laughs) trying this thing on trying this thing on you go okay and and through that you you hear your own voice a little bit more you know by understanding it's like oh i see what i was doing there you know yeah. and 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 through that you begin to to hear yourself a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better and and maybe hopefully bring that out into fruition bring that expression out a little bit more the next time around absolutely yeah. and it wasn't your it wasn't your a bad thing to model like you modeled uh, the black keys or you modeled Gwen Stefani and you tried that because in a weird way, by not being you, by trying to do something else, you actually saw more you, you know? And I think like, yeah, well, we're not, developing, right? As, right? as a child, you hear something and then you mimic that and then you hear something else and you know, Oh, there's more, there's more options and you mimic that. And the, but it's never exactly that there's always a version of you doing that. So yeah, it was what, Evan just said is like the more you mimic others, the more you discover parts of yourself, and that you know uh, that slowly develops into you. And when you have the courage to go, you know, because I think especially in your teens, right? You're you're singing and you're like, well, I know people like uh, Gwen Stefani or, or Billie Eilish. So if I sound like Billie Eilish, people are gonna like me. You don't know if people are going to like you if you sound like you. Um, And, you know, some of us find that courage to sound like us earlier than others. Like Billie Eilish, oh my gosh, where did that come from? The girl was like 16 being, sounded to me like very original and authentic. Wow. Like, you know, some people are just born these beings that... (laughs) somehow found out how to do that but um uh even now it's like oh i I know you know there's little party tricks you can do to impress people and that kind of art you know the the better you are at being authentic the more you can't stand when other people are hiding behind party tricks you Mm. know 
And I think I figured out, actually it took a producer to point that out to me because I could do like, um, you know, Gwen Stefani has a little warbly thing she does in her voice, like, like that. So like, I'm in a box, you know? So I was doing this album with Howard Redekop, who's a very good producer in Vancouver. He's done like Mother Mother and um, uh, off the top of my head, the new pornographers. And so he was producing um, one of my albums and he called me on it. And he said, but everybody thought it was so cool when I did that. And so I was doing it all over the place. <laughs> mm. And I got it from Gwen. That's why I use her as an example all the time. But, and so we're in the studio and he's like, yeah, um, yeah, you know that thing you do? I think you're hiding behind it. I think you use it to hide. To hide. And I went, oh, <laughs> light bulb. I wasn't conscious of it at the time. I was a little bit conscious that, oh, people like it. So I should probably do it a lot. You know, and you know, as acting, yeah. as soon as you make someone laugh, it feels so you're like, oh, so you try and make them laugh and then you're not funny anymore. <laughs> yeah. Same thing when you learn a little party trick. It's like, ooh, I can do this thing. And then all of a sudden it's about your ego and not about the truth of the song or the truth of the piece. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have You that. become a novelty to a certain degree. <laughs> yeah. A caricature of yourself. Yeah. And um, I wasn't conscious of that whole concept until he pointed me out. And that's a very, I think that's a very good example where um, a lot of people would be so offended by that, you know, and want to run away from that truth. And that the true artists who want to get better and you have to, because without that little impressive thing, who am I? People might not like me, you know? Mm -hmm. So you have to like be brave enough to ditch it and face your truth and face who you are. And I find that just keeps continuing in my endeavor of art. And now it's so freeing. The, the, the key is freedom, I think. And it's like, this is my truth. You might hate it. It might not impress you, but that's okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> But fantastic. I mean, how cool is it if people actually connect with your truth? You know, I find like, that when I'm able to do that, more people connect. Yeah. Yeah. That's an, that sounds like an amazing producer, you know, like he's yeah. like, he's, that, he's, like what an incredible, like bit of insight to, to be able to offer an, an artist. Yes. Like, yeah. Hey, T. And it's very, yeah. Oh, well, you're going to go on. Go ahead. I'll say I was going to say it's, it's, um, I find like the good, the good art, uh, anyone in the, industry in any way shape or form it's the generous ones who uh who really lift people up because he didn't have to he didn't have to care about my artist development he didn't even have to care about the album because i was paying him you know his name does go on it so i'm sure there's a, that's a huge factor to him where it's like if my name goes on this it's got to have some integrity to it uh, but i have worked with other people who couldn't give a shit it's like, okay, I'm going to make, I'm going to collect my $500 today or, or whatever and get this album done for this girl, but they don't care, you know? So you don't have to show up with any kind of investment or generosity like we were talking about earlier, but then whatever you turn out is, is probably going to be crap or, or not very um, 
whatever. But I just, I'm so grateful for the people in the industry who are generous and do, you know, they could just mail it in, but they don't because they love the craft mm-hmm. and, and, and they give you some of their, 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 they give you, they want to pull you along and lift you up and you don't have to do that just to collect your paycheck sometimes, you know? Mm. So it's really nice when people are caring and generous enough to try and help you in a way that you may not get. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like walking the extra mile. I mean, that's someone you're going to want to work with again. You know, that's somebody, they make an impression, they make an impact and like that carries weight, right? That, yeah. Um, I, I work with a lot of screenwriters now cause I, I, I mean, I was writing professionally. I don't do it so much anymore, but, um, I help a lot of people. And one writer just finished a script. This was several months ago. And then he started watching some videos about how like, uh, just doing his YouTube research and whatever, you know, writers do. Um, and he was like, people steal ideas yeah. all the time. And he was like getting super discouraged about it. And I was like, why mm-hmm. do you think people in the film industry work with the same people over and over and over again? Cause those are the people you trust. Those are the people you count on. And I think that as artists, you know, as we build ourselves, you know, um, you begin to appreciate the connections you have because you start to see like, who's a real person in your life. Who's going to walk that extra mile for you. Who cares? you know, cause a lot yes. of people don't. And, you know, when you find somebody that cares, like really treat that person well and really let them know, because I think that's an important part for all of us. I mean, you know, no, they say no man is an Island. No woman is an Island, right? It's so true. The people you yeah. find in your journey are going to be the people who will most likely be your linchpin to success. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. hundred percent. Okay. Well, I think uh, we should probably wrap this one up. Let's do it. We have some questions uh, for you, T. So we're going to oh, get to okay, it. Great. Yeah, we do this now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we got a few questions. We're going to we're going to interchange them. I'm going to ask one, Evan's going to ask one. And uh Okay. It's exciting. Is this okay. Like a rapid fire session? Okay. <laughs> well, you, you can take No, don't feel rushed. Just take as much time as you okay. want. Okay. Okay, so first question. What's the most important book that you have ever read? Oh. <gasps> Oh boy. Um, it might be Nelson Mandela's biography. Either that or To Kill a Mockingbird off the top mm. of my head. Why? Why? Just curious. Having to stand up. I, I guess I really, I love stories where people stand up uh, to the common collect the co- social co- collective consciousness um, when they know in their heart something feels right and it goes against society and they do it anyway. That's so courageous. Awesome. It just is so inspiring. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, okay. So the next question, uh, what film has had the greatest impact on you? that is so hard i'm just gonna go with one of my favorites last of the mohicans Mm. daniel day again that theme that theme is in there yeah (laughs) but it's also a great love story 
All right. So what song takes you somewhere? Every song takes me somewhere. Is there one in particular? <laughs> oh, gosh. Your questions are too hard. <laughs> or maybe because you're a musician as well. Maybe there's an album. Yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe an album. That's funny. I'm doing that 10-day, 10 10-album 10 challenge on Facebook right now. Um, do you know what? The next, you're going to think I'm like a... a, a black activist because my ne- the next album I was going to post today um, is going to be Nina Simone. Um, oh God, it's so hard because I have such a close attachment to so many albums. You know, what, I'm going to go with a breakup song. Let's go back to the song. Um, and there was a song that I literally put on repeat for probably a week and stayed home and just cried and saw <laughs> And it was, uh, oh, I am what I am. I'll do what I want, but I can't hide. Who's that? And I won't go. I won't sleep. I can't breathe until you're resting here with me. She did a, a, du- a duet with Eminem. Okay, I'm starting to look like a real idiot. That's all right. No, we got, we get, that was perfect. We got you to sing a little. It's awesome. Yeah. Don't worry. Go for the next one, Evan. All right. Um, so where do you think creativity comes from? The divine. Beautiful. Nice and succinct. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. All right. T, how do you find inspiration? Ah, I don't know. It just hits. Um, If I'm feeling devoid of it and I need to go looking for it, um, I I find there's lots of ways. I listen to music. I go back to my favorites. Um, uh, You know, listen to your favorite artists. Or I will look, watch an uplifting movie, um, or I will watch TED Talks. Those are some of my go-tos. Um, going for walks. Mm. I find walks, I'll find something. Let's go for a long walk. Yeah. Beautiful. All right, last question. Okay. What is one thing you would tell your childhood self? Trust yourself. You have everything you need and you trust yourself. That's awesome. Fantastic. That's that's a great message. I mean, just to leave people with at the end of this podcast, because I mean, everything we talked about at the end of the day, that's what it all comes back down to, you know, is trust Mm -hmm. yourself. And it's great advice. Yeah. I wish someone told that to me. I was kind of, I was kind of brought up in the environment of like, if you can make other people think you're great, that's all that matters. So it's been a real challenge and a real journey to believe that whatever the authentic me is, is enough and is okay. And I know we all struggle with, most of us struggle with that to, to some degree. It is very, very 
you know, in my house, it was like, you need to have status. You need to at least make it look like you have money. You have to be impressive. And it, your, your whole self-worth stems in how other people view you. Mm. And I've learned throughout life, it's exactly the opposite. So... Beautiful. Thank you so much for yeah. coming back on the show with us. That's it was such a pleasure, guys. Thank you. I would, I, you know, have me back anytime. I could do this all day. You guys are fantastic. Thanks for listening to the show. If you got something out of this, if you feel it improved your life or your journey in any way, please take a moment to subscribe, leave a review, or share the episode. You can also support us on Patreon, where we have tons of great bonuses. You are the ones that make the show possible and help us to thrive. Thank you for joining us.